All right. Okay. He is wailing, as they say. And that he is uh, with this band, the Thad Jones Band. And Thad Jones is a member of Jazz Royalty, he and his brothers. And uh, this, I love this uh, tune because you can't help but try to keep up. <laughs> this is from Jones's, uh, this is Sad Jones, and this is from his 1957 album, After Hours. Sad uh, Jones is on trumpet, Paul Chambers is on bass, Arthur Taylor on drums, Frank West on tenor sax and flute, and Mal Waldron on piano. And this is called Steven. And if Steven is what they're doing. This is Lead Stories. I'm Mutrius Lead, and glad to be with you again today. And in a sense, we're following the theme or the ideas promulgated in the previous program. Because we'll be talking about how your views have been shaped about the current crisis. And uh, how did you arrive, or how are you arriving at certain opinions about it? And uh, that will tell us a lot about the role of media in our society and the degree to which we are prepared for it. Uh, media operates 24-7, and the specific purposes to influence our minds, which in turn will influence our actions. As you know, it's a dangerous time in the world right now. But we should talk about how we are formulating or have formulated our opinions and ideas. So I'm going to ask a question. Based on media reports that you have seen or read or heard or have learned about, what do you think the next major phase or major development in the Russia-Ukraine war is likely to be? I'll repeat it based on media reports that you have seen or heard or have learned about, what do you think the next phase or major development in the Russia-Ukraine war is likely to be? I have another question, but it's quite different, and we'll hold on to that until we deal with the first one first. 888-874-4888. Things are progressing quite quickly, but I'm not sure that everybody is cognizant of why they're thinking what they're thinking, and even what they're thinking. What is it that you're thinking? 
and we just branch out from there. 888-874-4888. Let's hear your thinking on that question. Uh, it's very important to be conscious, especially at times like these where we have an international problem, a really serious one, and it has not yet fully bloomed. It's getting there, but how did it get here? And, and why do we, each of us, why do we have opinions about these things? What is the agency that conditions our thoughts, our opinions about anything? Why is this something that should concern us? It's not in our backyard, but it concerns us, and rightfully so. So I'm interested in your consciousness about this. How did you arrive at any conclusion so far about the events that are going on? E from Edgewater, you start us off today. Hello, you three. Hello, E. What's going on? Oh, things are getting uh, worse and worse. So... So what are you thinking? uh, I'm thinking that uh, governments of the world are acting like uh, organized crime families. And like uh, an organized crime family from New York is asking an organized crime uh, family from Chicago, they need a favor from them, you know? So uh, Joe Biden asked Putin for a favor. He needs a diversion. He needs some, some kind of a, change of narrative going on because this protest that was happening in Canada and then supposed to happen in America was going to be going on and they wanted to have something to overshadow that. And we've all been told this uh, NATO story, you know, that's the one they want us to know about how we promised we would not go one inch further into Russia's territory uh, you know, to, to try to influence any of the countries there to, to join NATO. That's what they make sure we know these facts. And that, then we say, well, then why are we doing that? Why, why are we trying to get Ukraine to join NATO? And then Putin's complaining. And then Biden's saying, well, you can't do that. And, and you can't put troops on the border like that. So now we got to do, we got to put sanctions on. Then the whole narrative starts to swirl and swirl and swirl. And we're all caught up in, into it. And all that's really going on, people, is population control is going on. So it gives Putin a reason to invade a country because NATO promised we wouldn't encroach on his territory and now he's getting nervous because they are doing that so now he has a reason for going in there but he's not supposed to annihilate people like this I mean uh, he's going a little overboard and now the price so now 
Putin, so now Biden has to put all these extra sanctions and nobody's allowed to use their oil. And now the price of gas got to go up to $6 a gallon because of Putin. Putin, the madman. Let's blame everything on one person. They love to do that. Like they did with Trump and he was working for the system and they're doing it with Putin and he's working for the same system too. And that's what I think, Yatrice. Okay. Well, thank you. What do you think is the next stage or phase or level here? Yeah. Based on that's all the things that you, you, you have pointed to and are learning still, what is right. the next phase? That, right. That along with the fact that it's hard to get any kind of proof because nobody's going to come over here and leave proof on my doorstep that I can tell, tell you about. So that's one problem. And the other problem is it's, it's like the stock market and the horse racing and wrestling and all that stuff. It's hard to really predict what's going to happen next. All I know is we took care of the Middle East pretty good. And now Putin's going to take care of East, uh, East Europe pretty good. And, and, and this looks like it's all, all it can do is just escalate more and more. And this is what both parties want to happen. So they can raise prices of everything. And who's the ones that suffer? It's always the people that suffer. And the people suffer. And that's, and that's what happens because we keep believing in the lies that they tell us. And we've been doing that for hundreds right. and hundreds of years. Thank you for getting us started today with some pretty provocative thoughts. Thank you very much, E. Henry from Chicago, you're on the air. Hello, Eutrice. Hi. What, <laughs> is, what has, is, is informing your information about what's happening? Where are you getting your information from? Or what is influencing your thoughts about it? Well, believe it or not, I, I still watch mainstream media, which, you know, I know is not telling me uh, the whole story. And in a lot of cases, they are, you know, are, are sometimes just straight out lying. But, you know, I also, too, uh, 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 monitor, uh, I, well, I try to monitor Russian media as well, even though in a lot of places like uh, Art, uh, Russian uh, RT, uh, the RT network is banned in, 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 in some specs, but uh, I'm able to get around that. So I'm, I'm actually also monitoring that as well. And it, it, that also has a slanted view as well. So I kind of take both sides and just kind of meld in on what I think, you know, uh, is really going on now for me you know uh, obviously i don't know because i'm not there but if i can just take bits and pieces from what rt is telling me and from what western media is telling me i can get a sense of 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 you know uh, of the situation in ukraine which is not good in particular for the ukrainians okay but what do you think is next? What level should we expect? Well, what, what's next is is the is the Russian occupation of of, of the of the Ukraine territory. 
that's uh, that's that's this when it, that's going to be next. I mean, uh, it's basic imperialism, um, and you know, for us to kind of point the finger at Putin and Russia that you know this is immoral to occupy you know a sovereign country when this country has been doing it for well over a century uh you know it, it, it it's for me it's it's just it's laughable and then at the same time you know we also as far as we the united states have a hand in this particular situation as well so if you ask me you know the next step is the russian occupation of the ukraine well that has already begun I was wondering whether you could give us an idea of what the escalation of those actions would look like. Well, I guess when they, I guess when they officially uh, take the capital, uh, and uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do to the government. Uh, maybe they might exile them, or um, you know, whatever, because. You know, it, it's already been reported that uh, uh, a million and a half Ukrainians have left the country. Uh, so what I see next is um, the, the possibly the Russian government installing uh, a government within that sphere of, of the, uh, you know, within that, within that uh, area, or just basically kind of, annexing the whole Ukraine to the Russian Federation. Uh, I can, I can see that as a possibility as well, because as, as more ethnic Ukrainians are leaving, uh, I will be assuming that more ethnic Russians will probably be moving into, um, moving into that area. Kind of, kind of similar to what, you know, you see with, uh, with the, uh, with the Israelis, um, uh, you know, moving into uh, uh, areas of, uh, of of Palestine. Do you have any trepidation that things will be so out of hand where nothing, no matter how earnest the desire to persuade people that they're doing the right thing, it, it, it will not succeed. What, how do you live in a world so reconfigured, so arbitrarily, that they just decided that this is what we want to do? And who are you doing it? Well, I mean, for me, we've been living in this world since I've been born. <laughs> and, and it's possibly been like this before I was born. So for me, it's, it's always been like this. It's just somebody else is doing it now. Hmm. Okay. Thank you, Henry. Thanks a lot. All right. Ed from Queens, you're on the air at 888-874-4888. Hey, good afternoon, Patrice. Good afternoon, Ed. Uh, you asked a question about... Uh, what's shaping our views as far as the uh, media is concerned and yes. with the crisis that's going on. Well, I can tell you, my views are shaped by three predominant things. Number one, I was, I was in that uh, area of the world when I was in the service back in the late 80s. 
and I was in uh, I was in Belarus. I am familiar with Lake Valesa and all of that uh, that was going on in that section of the world. I spent about six months there before I ETSed. So I have a person I have a, a first hand knowledge somewhat of how things transpired there. Number one. Number two, I listened to RTV, I listened to uh, Hong Kong news. I tried to get a out of perspective because a lot of this media in this country is propaganda and it's propaganda orchestrated by the powers that be that control the country. So the message that we're getting is not always clear and it's not always correct. So you've got to open yourself up. You've got to open yourself up to different sources and then like caveat and poor, let the buyer beware. That being said, this reminds me of Libya and this reminds me of what's going on in Yemen. Putin is a dictator. And if what I believe is going to happen is the sanctions are going to become more strict. And if they can turn the oligarchy, which is, which is, which has an affinity for the West because the Russian oligarchs have money investments, billions of dollars of investments and money and business interests in the West. If the sanctions can really start to hurt them, they'll turn against Putin. They'll overthrow him and we'll have another, uh, a police state in, in, uh, in the Ukraine, we'll have another, we'll have another, uh, East, uh, East European Libya or another East European Yemen. And that's what NATO wants because NATO technically shouldn't really exist anymore. Cause NATO was NATO's main purpose was to keep the Germans down and to check the Soviet union. And once the Soviet union dis, 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 dissoluted, NATO was a, a useless entity of, of the old cold war. So NATO's trying to keep itself alive. The uh, America, my personal opinion is an empire that is in decline and is using its only asset, which is its big stick military, 360 bases worldwide, and, and, and using that as a, as a ploy, as a gambit to keep itself relevant. And uh, they want to crush Putin. They want, they want to have Russia in a mess. And that way, the only, they'll be able to turn their guns to the east and focus on the Asian dragon, which is China. And I think that's what's going to happen. The sanctions are going to get a lot more stiffer. They're going to be a lot more focused on the oligarchs, the people that are behind Putin. And if they can turn them against Putin, then you'll have another Libya. They'll be dragging Putin down the street and shooting him in the head. Where are the people in all of this? The people are the pawns. The people are the pawns in the game. I mean, unfortunately, that's geopolitical 101. The people are the pawns, and if you can influence, if you can influence the people in charge, the, the ruling class, as David would say, they will influence the people at large. And once you get the people at large to turn against the specific leader, then you then your objective is is, is sound. America assures this place for a couple more years, maybe 50, 60 more years, as being a dominant world power until China really gets its act together, which is going, which is coming fast and seriously. And if they can disassemble the remains of the Soviet Union, i.e. Russia, disassemble that, that'll be another stumbling block for China as far as developing its world dominance, which I, which I believe is coming in the next 50 years. So in the meantime, where will the axis of power rest? Who is, which country or which uh, group of nations will be running things globally. Well, as it stands now, it's going to be the Western powers, France, England, uh, you know, Germany, uh, the Western countries, and America. 
they still, America still has a hand in the game. It's not dead yet. Like I said, America's stick is its, is its military. And, and that's why the, the military budget never never goes uncut and, and always gets approved because that's America's bargaining chip. The dollar is useless. Qaddafi uh, uh, proved that when he was going to use the dinar and have gold back in it. And that's why they got rid of him. And if they can crush Putin, they can keep things quelled for a little while. But don't sleep on China because President Ping is a very intelligent man. And if you read the Hong Kong news, he's making a lot of assurances to defeat America if this thing comes to a head. In this unfolding scenario that we have to double check every day to find out if what changes have been made and where should we stand, what is Biden doing in your view? How is he managing this? Biden is a tool of empire, and Biden is doing his prescribed role. He's playing, he's playing the, the, to the American public. He's playing the tentative grandfather role of everything is going to be all right. Can we all just get along to the Western powers? He's doing what America is supposed to do, uh, shutting down Russian oil, enforcing these uh, uh, sanctions on, on specifically the oligarch class in Russia. He's playing his hand. Biden's been at this game forever. I mean, he, he, was, the, he was the evil of two lessons, but he's been handpicked for this moment. And he's doing exactly what he's being told to do. He's playing it close to the vest, and he's keeping America in the game. And that's all they want. What do you see, finally, as the make-or-break moment before the world on this question and how it will be resolved? Well, uh, looking at it from the, you know, looking at from the, the information that I'm receiving now and, and the, the specific media sources, I see the same, like I said, I see the sanctionings tightening. I see they want to turn the oligarch class against him. As long as he has the Russian billionaires on his side, i.e. Putin, he'll be able to control the massive populace. He'll be able to control the army. Once they've turned the oligarchs, once they've soured the milk enough to where the oligarchs are starting to feel the pinch in their pocketbooks, they'll drop Putin like a hot potato. And then there'll be a cool... You know, it, it'll be a, it'll be a, a a slower version of Libya because the only thing that's hanging in the balance is these nuclear weapons. And to tell you the truth, take it from somebody who's been over there, half of those nukes don't even work. Well, thank you, Ed. Believe me, uh, we we have so much to look forward to, and yet dread dread the whole. Package. We, we were asleep at the wheel. From day to day, we, we have happen. no idea what the the leaders, the protagonists, and the antagonists are thinking of doing. Thank you so much we for that. Yeah. Muhammad from New York, you're on the air. Yes, I'm here. <clears throat> good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. Hope all is going well. Uh, This is my perspective. When all else fails, we go to war. I'm just going to look at this from a system system perspective. In the United States, we are what you might call broke or bankrupt. Now, 
great research. Wait a minute. Hold it right there. Hold it right there. What makes you say we are broke or bankrupt? I mean, what is the proof? You are trillion dollars in debt. Yeah. Trillion dollars. That doesn't mean anything. Yes, it does. With you in debt like that, the rest of the world know that the money that they have invested in the dollar and those treasury bonds, they some kind of way know that they're not going to get their money. That's one perspective. Okay. This um, great reset was a result of to change the thing. Like they said, a reset would be by 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. What this is, we start something because the American people, they mostly are not aware of what's really, really going on underneath it all. And the um, proof of that is I, I know very few people that haven't took a shot because they go along with the system and they believe in it. Now that, uh, that shot was to send the money at the top. And under capitalism, it's not going to work because eventually all the money goes to the top. You leave people at the bottom. They don't have enough. Now, these people are not going to do nothing till they become hungry. When you take their food away, then you'll have a rebellion. So what they want to do is make sure that everyone has just enough to not to really say have a rebellion. Now, in the United States today, the COVID broke a lot of people. It's a lot of people that's on the verge of being out of their homes. People don't have jobs. So the distract, now that the COVID thing is dying down, they had to come up with something else. So then it was to make Russia feel threatened. Russia lost 27 million people during World War II. They won World War II. But America would have you think that they won it. So Russia said that you're not... We'll never fight another war on our home territory. And Ukraine is right on their doorstep. And if you look at the situation, say, like in eastern Ukraine, like, say, Donbass, uh, Crimea, you have a lot of people that is ethnically Russian. They're Russian-speaking people. And the people that overthrew the prime minister back in 2014, they are oppressing those people. And Russia asked for assurances that they would stop oppressing those people and not let NATO into, put NATO in Ukraine. And they refused. This war, this is a distraction because America is broke. They can't, the rest of the countries, China, Russia, India, they have gold to back up their money. The United States doesn't have gold. The, month, the goal is here that's just sold to the people, and eventually they're going to take the goal back when things get real rough. So I don't think, that's my opinion, I don't think it's going to be a nuclear war, but they're going to keep something going to distract the American people. And most of the people see Putin as the adversary and the main source of the problem. But the source, the problem is capitalism. The system doesn't work. Eventually, all the money goes to the top, and you leave most of the people without enough to really live on. And eventually, to keep that rebellion from happening, when all goes wrong, they start a war. 
that's a whole okay. Let's that. say let's say I agree. You know, I I listen to your long view. It's a long view. Thank you. In the meantime, every day we get closer and closer to a point of no return when something cataclysmic is going to happen. What is that something and when will it happen? I just think, well, we're already in a depression for a lot of people in this country. You see a lot of people are having problems eating, paying their rent, and we got a great depression coming. And this war is actually a way to distract them and keep something going. And eventually, uh, just like uh, I think it was uh, Mr. Ed said a little while ago, America was the 20th century empire, and they're on their way out because of greed from the top, the oligarchs. Now, I'm going to just give you an example. The trees, they requested the military, not the department, the military, they requested, I think it was six. 7058 The Congress gave them 20 extra billion. They knew this was coming. They closed out in Afghanistan because they had to go to the next crisis. And part of it is what they fabricated, distract people. But, but where are you getting your information from? Where are you getting information that you believe so strongly in that you're presenting it to us as Legit. Okay, uh, part of that gets from um, Dr. Hudson, uh, Dr. Paul Craig Roberts. He was the assistant secretary, I think, of, he was under Stockton back in Reagan's time. Uh, William Engel, um, just a lot of people like that, the economists. You know, I'm a, I have a, I'm a BA level economist myself, not a master, but I understand it to a point. And economics, it's a system, you know, and whenever you give me okay, my chance. You don't have to explain what it is, but I'm interested only in you helping us to understand what is informing your your vision of what is to come. Okay. I'm looking at past empires for one thing, and then I'm listening to economists like Dr. Hudson, uh, Dr. Paul Craig Roberts, uh, Jim Rogers, uh, many different economists I listen to, and they give me okay. a sense of what's going on. And then I look at the way former empires go. They say there's three ways you can tell when empires on the way down. They say it's military overreach, for one, military overreach, and your, your, your people become divided, which they are. And another one is too much debt. Those are the three. Three of the five factors. I can't think of the other two, but that's what really pull them down, you know. And at the bottom of it is okay. the system of capitalism. Eventually, everything goes to the top, and you leave very little at the bottom and a little bit in the middle. And people won't stand for that forever. So at some point in America, they'll rebel when you take away their food. That's when they'll get angry and fight. But prior to that, you're not going to get too much out of them. But I'm going to say that. Uh, 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 I've been in several different countries. What they do is they divide us. You know, like, I'm going to give you an example. Part of my life is spent in Puerto Rico. The most dangerous places are the projects. What we do at the bottom is we turn on each other. We don't go to the people that have the money. And that's where it starts. And you see that beginning to happen now 
right in New York, you see a lot of killings, a lot of robbing of people just like the people who robbed them. And that's when you can tell we're in decline. And the people at the top, they divide us so we wind up fighting each other like that. So we all, all come together and change the condition. Well, thank you, Muhammad, for contributing today. Quite a bit you offered us to think about and to review. Of course, you know, we'll come back to it because the way things are going, we'll have to. Marcus from Wisconsin, you're on the air. Uh, good afternoon, Eutrice. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Uh, thank excellent you. discussion. Yeah, um, uh, I, I'm just riffing, of course. I, I don't think anyone at this point, including the governments, uh, can speak authoritatively on what exactly, precisely is going on. Um, but uh, I, I'm guided myself by my own knowledge of history um, uh, that uh, I've bothered to uh, pay attention to. And uh, there, there are a couple of rules that I think we would do well to remember uh, from history. Uh, the first one is the map is not the territory. Um, and the second is revolutions are started by smart people, but they're always finished by smarter ones. I, I learned this from a gangster. Um, and historically, you know, uh, just quickly, um, you know, the way the Nazis came to power was they were bankrolled by German industrialists who looked around and saw nothing but socialists, social Democrats, and communists, and said, okay, we'll bankroll these guys. They'll protect their interests. Um, uh, and, but it turned out Hitler had an agenda of his own that they didn't anticipate, that the wealthy elites did not anticipate. The same happened more recently in the 1970s with the Basari business class in Iran. They were in a very similar situation. I had Marxists all around them. And uh, they bankrolled uh, the Ayatollah, the fundamentalists. And uh, it turned out the Ayatollah had his own agenda. So um, this becomes problematic. Now, to me, the U.S. is simply following an old playbook. This, this is almost an exact replica of uh, the Carter administration in the late 70s, 79, I think. And, uh, you know, it, it, when Russia invaded Afghanistan, well, it turns out the U.S. government, the Carter administration, and especially the National Security Advisor, his big new Brzezinski, knew perfectly well, long in advance, um, that the plan was um, not to push the Russians to intervene, but to keep increasing the probability that they would. And so they set up a secret operation, which Brzezinski wrote about in his books, uh, of drawing Russia into an Afghan trap. Uh, and uh, they wanted to create a Vietnam situation for Russia. And uh, this worked out fine at the time. Uh, but that's the CIA playbook. 
that's what the elites, I think, have mostly staged again. They're not very original thinkers. They're just rich. And the difference is uh, they aren't dealing with a drunken Yeltsin and the stodgy old Soviet Union. This is Putin. Putin is no dumbbell. Um, And I think we have to look carefully at the fact that Russia is now a member of a gigantic geopolitical alliance with China and India. Um, The U.S. administration, the Bush administration, did something that was impossible in human history. They finally drove Russia and China together. They were historical enemies for thousands of years. And this is what we have now. And I suspect, I, I can't prove it, but I keep seeing signs that I think Putin may have a plan that may be off script. Now, you know, yes, uh, Vladimir Putin was one of the young economic forum, you know, global, young uh, global leaders, along with Trudeau and Merkel and You know, his connection to the elites are there. But at the same time, um, these same people are now yelling to get the U.S. involved in a ground war with Russia or arm Poland or whatever they want to do. So I suspect Putin and um, the BRIC countries, Um, may have gone off script here. They may have an agenda of their own. Um, I I think it's reflected in U.S. media by the wild contradictions, uh, I mean, from one hour to the next. You know, Putin is making gas prices go up in the U.S. when there's no supply chain problem with fuel in the U.S. Uh, The whole idea is silly, Um, uh, and one could go on and on. We've got the U.S. left whooping to arm Azov Battalion Nazis in uh, in Ukraine, and Putin has openly stated, go go listen to the hour-long speech he gave. It was off script. This, This is not a dumbbell. And he openly said what he's going to do is denazify any country on his border. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to occupy them. There's no talk of that. He wants the Nazis gone. The, you know, Russia has a historical memory of Nazis. They, their history is different. Uh, we tend to buy the U.S. version of what the Russians are. Um, that's not accurate. Um, I think we have to actually bother to get some historical knowledge here um, on Russia in order to understand what their interests really are. Um, And that's really all I wanted to caution people about. I I don't think anybody knows anything for sure. But there is a huge competition as well among the global elite. You know, there's the Great Reset Agenda and the New Normal and all that, but there are a lot of them that are opposed to it for other wrong reasons that wouldn't do the population any good. But this this 
is not, it's not a unified cabal. And the individual political players are actors to a very great degree, but they are the ones that actually have the power in their hands. And there's lots of history to show they may, they may do what they want. Hmm. Well, that is an intriguing idea. Thank you very much, Marcus, for contributing well, today. Thank you. Leona from Michigan, you're on the air. Greetings, you choose, and greetings to your audience. Thank you. Thank you. To you, too. Um, thank you. Listen, um, I don't want to be off topic necessarily, but um, uh, one of the earlier callers mentioned uh, uh, COVID in Russia, uh, and um, that's something I'm, that's, that's kind of piqued my interest momentarily. The... the um, how the, uh, the the COVID pandemic or COVID phobia has turned into the anti-Russian pandemic or Russian phobia, N- not to um, not to poo-poo on any of the harm that's been done or the deaths that have occurred because of uh, COVID and now this uh, thing in Ukraine. Not to minimize any of that, but for for the sake of uh, trying to follow the logic. You know, I was I was trying to put two and two together, not making a good, de- not not doing too well. Listen, I saw this news uh, broadcast where Russia is urging the U.S. to clarify its activity in bio laboratories in Ukraine. Now, now um, they found the the the, the, uh, the Russian Foreign Ministry spokesperson. Her name is Maria Sakharova. And uh, she—she's—I saw a video where she's been demanding that the United States explain its operations in Ukraine bio laboratories. Now, with the uh, with, with the COVID thing, there there were many news stories. Hold on for a second. What do you mean explain its activities in bio labs? What is the suspicion? Well. Uh, <clears throat> According to this little, you know, news clip, she, she's wondering why they were there. Why, why do you, why do you have all these multiple bio laboratories in in Ukraine? You know, Ukraine is not on the border of the United States, and um, she's just asking questions. And uh, I can't quote all the questions, but I, I know I believe it's true that all problems are solved through the process of questions and answers. And um, the COVID, there was but time. There was a hinting time. at something quite nefarious is going on, and it's as close as she could get without directly making an allegation. She is insinuating. So, what is she insinuating? I'm not sure what she's insinuating, but but. I'm not sure what she's insinuating. However, there was insinuation about that Wuhan bio lab in in China. There was insinuation that the COVID virus itself. No, was there a, wasn't was a, was just insinuation there. There was a body of research done by several different entities, mm-hmm. and which allowed them to come to the conclusion that the Wuhan. Uh, laboratories or the Wuhan markets uh, should be looked at as a source of 
this pandemic. So, you know, in a, a scenario that we're dealing with, where so many things are flying around, people get under the radar. They manage to get under the radar with just insinuating things. Okay, and well, you know, maybe... Go ahead. Maybe I don't know the, the exact definition of insinuating, so I'm not going to use that word. But, but what I'm saying is uh, there may or may not be a connection. I, I think it's somewhat interesting because I, I was of the, I, I bought into the idea that the whole, the COVID thing itself was biological warfare until proven otherwise. And there, 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 there have been, uh, and there have been, um, I don't know, the, the stock, the stock with the, with the uh, Pfizer and the Moderna, whatever, they, they're suffering now because they, something came out about the tests being incorrect or the, the, the way they, um, there's some stank in the game, period. And th- this global cabal, cabal that some people mention, or, or the folks who are calling the shots, uh, uh, I'm I'm willing to put money that uh, a large percentage of that group classify themselves as white. They don't classify themselves as non-white. And uh, the the I saw a term where I'm trying to figure out what it means too, called Anglo-Zionist. I don't know quite what that means either, but some people ascribe that as another uh, description of the so-called See, global the, cabal. Yes, but all of this is not making sense, I hate to say, to me. It's not making sense at all. It okay. is, in fact, overreaching in order to develop yet other theories as to why things are going the way they're going. When you talk about the Anglo-Zionism, um, I mean, what exactly is that? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to nail that down, too. It's a term I came across uh, uh, recently, yeah, Anglo-Zionist. But, but, but um, I don't, I, but I'm not sure what it means, but I, but I know this. Even without you knowing the specifics of it and the meaning of it, you're nonetheless propagating it. And so we have to be very, very careful about how we individuals end up being potentially used or being set up to be used. Okay. Okay. Point point taken. You're right. And and with that, I'm going to go back to what, um, you know, Dick Gregory suggested, you know, a while back, every day at noon, pray that the truth comes out. Pray that the truth is revealed, you know. And uh, one thing that I think may or may not be useful, and it, well, you know, when I face the truth about who I am, I can proceed to pro- solve problems and try to solve problems in a way that doesn't create new problems. But for right now, I don't think you can. You can't solve a problem if you ain't dealing with the truth. And, it, and if and if people don't want you to solve a problem, they ain't gonna give you the truth. But. I'm off. Let me stop here. Uh, that's all I got to contribute today. And uh, it, I don't know why those, why those bio labs are in Ukraine. And all this stuff that's happening, it's happening under the system of racism, white supremacy, local, global, national. That's my opinion. That may be yes. the only true government we were operating under anyway, the system of racism, white supremacy, world government. It, it, but but it, again. It, it's fine that it's your opinion, but is it... 
Is it a researched opinion? Is it a valid opinion in that sense? Is it an opinion that you want to introduce to other people as tested and proven? Uh, not at this time. But but here's the other thing. I don't know how much time I got to be trying to prove things to other people anyway, you know? No, that's a weak argument, to be very honest. You either, that you don't know how much time you have to prove a a point. The, The thing is, by the time you've decided to present an idea for mm-hmm. our consideration, mm-hmm. we need to have a sense of satisfaction that you've done some homework. Mm-hmm. And it has been corroborated, and it looks as if you have a kernel of something happening there. Mm-hmm. But don't just put things out in the ether, and then, you know, if they believe it, fine. If they don't believe it, fine. No, we have mm-hmm. to be far more responsible for the promulgation of ideas because okay. we are responsible for that. Okay. If your name oh. is attached to it, you should be able to defend it. Okay, I agree. Otherwise, it. maybe doing what these what the other folks are doing. Well, again, my point is exactly. that, and my point is that you know Russia has asked the U.S. to clarify that activity with the bio lab laboratories in the Ukraine. And I don't know if other mainstream media care to mention that or question that or not. But, but uh, the bio laboratories in the Ukraine, the bio laboratories in Wuhan, the bio laboratories where I don't know where else. But uh, just interesting, that's all. But you, you're right. You're right. I... Um, be more careful about propagating something that hasn't been, you know, delved into research or that kind of thing. All right. Thank you. Thanks for contributing today. Brother Dave from Brooklyn, you're on the air, and you have the last word today. Uh, yes, you know, uh, I missed some of the program, but I at first you asked about uh, what uh, people are thinking about what's going on with the media, I believe. And what is on my mind is the media uh, is probably lacking, I think, in a lot of real journalism. I I see what they're saying about what's going on in Ukraine and especially with the Russian position as uh, being essentially stenographers for the defense or war department and uh, the state department. So uh, it reminds me of what happened uh, in 2003 with the, uh, uh, the, the Iraq situation where they had a person who uh, was recruited as a actress to talk about how the uh, Iraqis were killing children by taking them out of incubators. So everything I've seen uh, so far is to demonize the Russians and talk about the uh, uh, discomfort of 
uh, the civilians and killing of civilians. And uh, so they're trying to get people to feel that the Russians are demons. And that's what they do. They never show this type of thing when it comes to the Iraqi civilians that the Americans have killed or the, the Libyans and or the thousands of people who have drowned after leaving Libya and what they have done in uh, Syria and Afghanistan. But they, they have lots of pictures on television and so forth of uh, the uh, situation and the tragedy of what's happening to especially Ukrainian system. So I see this as a fantastic propaganda campaign to make people here, including uh, the people who look at television, radio, reading newspapers, uh, to look at them as demons, and that's the goal of those in power. So the media is following uh, what uh, uh, Mr. Biden wants, and this is going to be good for the arm industry, and uh, that is what he wants, and gives him perhaps a lift in the polls as being a savior of the Ukrainian people. Thank you. And just as I said, you brought us to the end of our program today. Uh, thank you for your contribution. Thank you all for contributing today. We are getting, I should say, we, we got closer, but we have some steps still to go to really make that link between how, as a whole, as a nation, as a world, how we are conditioned to think and develop opinions, specific opinions about things. And that in turn informs our actions. And it's working like a charm in this case. You know, everybody has an opinion based on the media's introduction of the idea. And uh, we seldom question, wait a minute, where did you get that? <laughs> you know, where did you get that? How did you make this link with that link? And you come up with a, a conclusion that I should accept without inspection. No, no. This is, these are very careful times. You have to be very circumspect about the information being made available to you and whether you can trust it. Thanks so much. Let's get together tomorrow again and do some more talking.